we have the honor and privilege of having Apostle Dale with us. So believe God that he's going to speak the heart of God to us tonight and that our hearts are open to receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's okay to have a substitute. Substitute teachers can sometimes say things and get away with more. It's good, to, it's good to be home, really a blessing to be home. This last uh, trip in overseas, and I thank you so much for keeping uh, me and Terry in your prayers. I was uh, in Ukraine for three months. It was a long trip. It was one of the hardest trips, I think, of my life. And the Lord brought us through. And I know people come up and, and, and let me know they've been praying for me. It means so much. Thank you so much. Continue to pray for the pastors in Ukraine. Many of them, dear friends of ours, more than 30 years. Remember, Pastor Vitaly Kozachenko, he's an Armada member. Um, it's, it goes beyond description. It would take too long even to drill down into uh, just how difficult it is to be concise and try not to be crass it it has been a bloodbath just one city alone over a hundred thousand civilians have been killed in one city alone and it continues every day yes yesterday there were over 90 different battles upon along a line if you want to imagine it, from Washington, D.C. to Atlanta. Uh, can you imagine a line of constant fighting that long? And uh, that's, that's the state of affairs in the country. We're, we're living in a moment of history. It's time to be men and women of faith. It's time to remember the scriptures. Jesus said, you're going to hear about all this. But see to it that your heart is not troubled. That's your job. Turn to your neighbor and say, my heart's not troubled. I had the privilege, Terry and I were in Richmond last uh, Sunday, nearly a week ago, and uh, the Lord had me teach a message that I titled, uh, Tomorrow's Your Destiny. And everything in the world wondering, people asking me all the time, well, what do you think is going to happen in the world? What's going to happen in the world tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the world tomorrow. But we do and we can know what's going to happen in our lives because God's called us to a destiny. Did you know the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord? Amen. So it, you might not know step 10 or step 15, but you ought to know the next step. The steps of a good man are order of the Lord. And if we'll focus on what God's calling us to do, what does it matter what's going on in the rest of the world? We'll be where he wants us to be to minister in that situation. Amen. And it's all interwoven in his plan. So, so, so do be encouraged. There are so many negative things. You turn on the television or browse the internet, go to your favorite news site or, or Twitter or whatever it might be. Um, there's plenty out there to depress the most positive person. Amen. How many of you know the joy of the Lord is our strength? Amen. Glory to God. I, 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 I'm not 
At the same time, though, we, we ought not trivialize the days that we live in. We, we want to be wise. We want to recognize what's our part and what, what's, what's going to be happening. Well, the first step then is to know what God's called us to to and to know who he's called us to be with. Amen. If there's any, anything more important, we need to know who's our brothers and sisters and where we belong. And thank God for the church. Thank God for Church of the Word International. Amen. I mean, where else can I go and find out I'm a songwriter? I didn't know I was a songwriter. Where is he? He's hiding over there? I don't know. Oh, he's way back there. Well, John get, got inspired from a message. It is a good, good message. I, I, I listen to it. It encourages me. So it, it must be good. If somebody's going to make it. It's going to be me. Amen. But uh, no, when we're in family, that's important that we be family one with the other. I, I, I really want to emphasize that. When Terry and I started this congregation in 2006, that was one of the things I repeated every, every Sunday, every, every meeting. One way we love God is how? By loving one another. Amen? That's what it is about. And, and we want to make sure people are taken care of. Reach out to people. If the life of God's in the church, we don't need a down-in-the-ditch ministry, as I call it. No, the believer, he, he saw a guy in the ditch, and he got in the ditch with him. And he took care of him, and he put him on his own beast of burden, and, and took him to the hotel, and put it on his own gold American Express, and, and, and paid for all of that. Never once called the pastor and said, hey, where's the form that I need to fill out to take care of this problem? Y'all are really quiet tonight. I asked Sydney. I was talking to Sydney a couple times this week, and I said, "How'd it go preaching in Harrisburg?" And he says, "Wow." He says, I, "I'm going to take our whole church over there so they learn how to respond." <laughs> Amen. It's all right to shout. Heaven's a loud place, by the way. Amen. You know that's why I believe in healing because He's going to heal your ears because it's going to be loud up there. Amen. But we're, we're a body. We're really blessed. Alex is with us. How many of you know Alex? Wave your hand, Alex. Alex is uh, our dear, dear friend. Was pastoring in Crimea 20 years. He's like me. He started preaching when he was a teenager. And he was uh, preaching and pastoring in Crimea when the Russians invaded in 2014. He relocated his family to Kiev, which is where we met. And we've been working together ever since 2014. It's hard to believe nine years have gone by. And, uh, but what the Lord's done is great. Well, Alex has been living in York, and, and, and the church there, Pastor Bill Hake and Abundant Life Center, have been a great blessing to him. But uh, so he was living with a family there. But the Lord opened up some doors, and he's, moved, he, he's, going, he's going up from York to paradise. I mean, he gets to tell all of his friends he lives in paradise. And I, I'm not going to make any more of those jokes because Lancaster's full of them and you know them all. But he, you know, he can tell his friends because they don't know those jokes, right? And he's moving in November 1st into an apartment that's completely empty. And he ain't got nothing. But he's got you, right? Praise the Lord. So talk to him afterwards and make sure he's got uh, mixing dishes and whatever it is he needs, large screen TVs. I don't know what does he need. Praise God. 
He'll, pro he'll probably need a pillow. I don't know. Praise God. I think all he's got is computers. That's about all he has. So, Amen. Are we all blessed? Well, um, open your Bibles. I hope you're blessed and I hope you love me. Say, I love you, Pastor Dale. Yeah, okay, good. Because some of you might not when I'm done. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans. I, I'm going to tread. Well, I heard it said more than once, when, you, when you're walking on eggshells, it's time to make an omelet. <laughs> so so I, 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 we're dealing right now with, in history, and, and it's good that we be informed. So I'm going to invite you to a Bible study tonight, and we're going we're gonna to look at a few things that appear to be well, they're in the news, they're, and, 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 and decisions are made, and opinions are held, and it can divide people, or it can unite people, and we want to be teachable, don't we? Amen? I don't know about you, but I thank God the, the different times in my life where I had it wrong, and someone came along and shared with me a few things, and, and it helped me in, in my perspective, and I changed. And sometimes it's not a big change, sometimes it's just a little... A little bit of a, a tweak or an adjustment. Because generally, uh, we, we need to be humble enough to realize we don't know it all. You know, Paul said, he, he said, now we see through a glass darkly. He said, you know, if Paul didn't know it all, I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't know it all either. And so I'll even, I'll even like I heard one professor say, uh, uh, he said, you know, I, I know there's a whole lot that I'm teaching that perhaps isn't correct. He says, the problem is I don't know which part. <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, when you know something and you know why you know it, you're in a greater position of authority to speak about it with authority and confidence. Because the one thing I don't like is people teaching the gospel without confidence. If you believe it, act like you believe it. And if somebody shows you a better way, then change and be just as confident in that better way. Amen. Basically, in our lives, if you think about it this way, there's, there's three areas going on in you right now. First of all, there's the things you believe, but you really don't have any idea why you believe them. You, you might believe them because you were born in America. You might believe them because it's what your grandfather believed. It's what your mother said. It's what you heard Aunt Sally say. You might believe it because it, it was in Sunday school and you don't even remember the message. Uh, there's a lot of things that we believe, more than I'd like to admit in my own life, that I believe, but I don't know why I believe them, or I don't know where that I got them from. And, and we assume them into our, our being, so to speak. But, but then those get, some of them get challenged, and that's a beautiful thing. Then there's the things you believe, and you know why you believe them. See, I remember I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit while I was a teenager in a Methodist church. And they didn't receive this doctrine or this experience. And so it drove me to study to make sure I wasn't a heretic. That was a good thing. Don't be afraid of people challenging your position. I mean, if you're right, find out why you're right. But don't do it to win an argument. Jesus said, preach the gospel. He didn't say, go out into all the world and, and irritate people. 
You know, there's a whole lot of times I, I, I won't even bring something up because I know they don't believe what I believe. I just yesterday spent uh, uh, six hours with a brother that, that doesn't speak in tongues, but I, di I didn't irritate him. I, I know where he's at. Uh, and I met another Baptist brother and I uh, said, how come you never invited me to preach? And I saw the blood drain out of his face. We, 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 we love one another. We really do. He's a great man of God. But, but he doesn't want me in the pulpit because he'd be afraid I might preach too far. You know, but guess what? I wouldn't. If he invited me into his nice Baptist church, there is so much we agree on. Why would I preach something just to stir things up? Right? But it's different when you're home. Yeah, it's different when you're home. Because these are the things that we believe in. This is why we believe them. I received an email. Uh, are you in Romans 11 yet? Romans 11.1. 1. I received an email a few days ago written by a pastor to a very large group of pastors. It wasn't directed to me. And, and, and it wasn't written in any venomous way. I'm, I'm not saying that. But he wrote, he wrote this email in light of the war that started in Israel not long ago. When Israel was under a surprise attack and thousands of rockets, over 5,000 rockets a coordinated attack on one border of over 50 different security towers that were destroyed at the same time. It's a lot of planning. With an entire, what one friend of mine described, uh, he's a hacker. <laughs> he described uh, a, a unprecedented cyber attack on Israel this, at the same time by Russian hacking groups, direct, direct involvement of Russia, you know, planning supplied by Iran, weapons supplied by Iran, weapons supplied by Mr. Biden, leaving them in Afghanistan. It, it was a mess. But in this email, as he's addressing it to pastors, he wanted to talk about the issue of Israel and why we should support Israel. And he warned people in the email about some who believe in what he calls replacement theology. I don't know if you've ever heard that buzzword. Um, that's what it is. It's a buzzword because it doesn't exist in any of your theology books if you look up in any dictionaries. It's a relatively new term. And it's not really a name for a, for a belief. It's a moniker of, of disdain. You know, for instance, I, I mentioned I was raised up in the Methodist. Well, that's their name. They gave it to themselves because John Wesley was methodical. Everything was, was disciplined. You know, the Baptists took the name Baptist because that's what they, they saw as, as descriptive of who they are. The Nazarenes, they took that name. You know, now Christians, we took that name because it was a label put upon us that was of disgust. But, but we took it because it means little Christs. 
So it's a pretty good name. So we, we took that. But if you're going to believe something, you kind of present your own name as to what it might be. I don't like, you know, some people might call me a tongue talker because that's how they, they see me. But I, I'd never introduce myself as, hello, I'm Dale the tongue talker. Because <laughs> it had be, have to be a whole lot more than that. It'd be Dale the tongue talking, devil casting out, and sick hands laying on ministry. <laughs> I did one time think we ought to call it our ministry TTT, Tongue Talkers Tabernacle. But Terry didn't like that one. So instead of TTT, we went with CWI. Hallelujah. But, but, but replacement theology, and in his email he says, now you got to watch out. There's people out there that believe the church replaces Israel. And so Israel, we, we shouldn't support Israel uh, just because they're, they're, they're in the Bible, so to speak. Because the, it's now the church has replaced Israel. Well, I want to make a comment on that because I'm pretty sure they're talking about me and, and three-fourths of the rest of the body of Christ. Uh, and I, I thought it would be important that we discuss tonight what does the Bible say about Israel in the church. What we know about Israel and the church will determine other things that you believe, most importantly, about end-time events. But that's why I want to preface a lot of this before we get into any of that. You see, even end-time events. Why do we teach end-time events? A lot of times it's because it's exciting and it'll draw a crowd. But, but three times in the New Testament, uh, Paul, Peter, and John all three give the reason why you teach end-time events, and that is so you would live holy, walk in reverence to God, and purify yourselves. See, so, so always use that as a litmus. If you hear a sermon on end-time events, and it doesn't push you to be holy and pursue the Lord, something may be up with what that teaching Because it's always easy to tickle people's ears. And, and, and honestly, it is. It's interesting. But listen, the, the, the Bible and the book of Revelation, it, 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 it's, it's not like uh, uh, some, some of the witchcraft out in the world and some of these Nostradamus things. And, you, you know, it's, it's not horoscope. Amen? And we don't need to get into fear. A lot of times I've heard end times teaching, and I, I, I don't pursue holiness. I, I want to hide. I'm afraid. Jesus said, see to it that your heart's not troubled. Amen. And of course, there's that old joke, but it's really a good one. You really, we really don't need to worry because I read the end of the book and we win. Amen. So someone says, well, is it pre-trib? Is it, is it post-trib? Is it, is it post-trib? Is it trib, trib? Is it, what, what is it? You know, well, you know, I always look at it this way. If you die in the tribulation or you get run over by a train, you're just dead. That's right. <laughs> I, I, you know, oh, but it's so bad. Well, wait a minute, what do you mean it's so bad? You're dead. Whether it's a car accident or you, you choke on a steak in the steakhouse, you, you're dead. Whether the, whether the Chinese cut your head off or, or whether you, you know, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
But we like to dramatize stuff. You know, one day you're going to die. Somebody says, yeah, well, unless Jesus comes back. Well, you're going to die then too. Because this body's going to put on immortality. Somewhere between here and there, hopefully, before you hit the ceiling. <laughs> you're going to have a new body. Some of you never thought about that. Because <laughs> that new body will go through walls, but that one you got right now won't. Amos, like Christopher Lom said one time to me, he said, he said, when Jesus comes back, I hope I'm standing in the middle of a cemetery because the dead are going to rise first. That'll be fun. <laughs> poof, poof, poof. <laughs> Preachers think about weird things. Anyhow. So, so replacement theology is a moniker of disdain by people who don't believe somebody else's doctrine because they have another view. Well, that's okay. And I, and I respect their view, but, but I'm not going to throw mud, theological mud pies because I don't know anybody that believes replacement theology. But I do know people, myself, who believes that the church is Israel and Israel is the church. And I'm going to talk from the scriptures about this principle in relationship to Jesus being our Messiah, and he is our Messiah. And, and what does that mean to how we see other scriptures? Because right now, and this is the danger that I saw out of the email, there's a theological danger on one hand, but there's also a danger that you make a foreign policy decision just because you like somebody. See, people, people you'll, you'll hear this a lot. I'm telling you, if you hadn't heard it 15 times this week already, you're going to hear it pretty quick. Whoever curses Israel will be cursed. Whoever blesses Israel will be blessed. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You'll hear that. How many of you have heard those three things? Yeah. Well, they're scriptural, but they're misapplied. That's, yeah, you heard me, right? Don't, don't throw stones either, by the way. If, if some of this rankles you, you, you it's a commandment, you've got to love me. <laughs> but number, number two, it's sort of like you going in and having an operation, because some of it's going to cut like a knife. But don't jump off the operating table and run out the door. Let me sew you up, because there's, there's more that has to be said to be explanatory. Look here in Romans 11 as an example. How many of you remember Elijah? Elijah was an, a prophet of God who confronted the worst king of Israel, Ahab. Let me tell a little story here to set the context before we read this. Ahab, the Bible says, became the most wicked king in all of Israel. And he... he uh, <sighs> began to worship Baal, a, a, a false god, and took Israel into rebellion towards God. Of course, everybody wants to talk about Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit, but I've always had to comment on that. You, you can't have a Jezebel spirit without a weak, limp-wristed Ahab. So Ahab and Jezebel together made a winning team for the devil. And they were taking Israel the wrong direction. Now, 
I'm, I've said a lot right in that several, several chapters right out of 1 Kings. You can read and, and catch up on that. And so here's the prophet ministering during this period of time. And you may remember that one of the things he does, he, he just shows up out of nowhere and he makes an announcement. It's not going to rain except by my word. Well, he's actually quoting some scripture in Deuteronomy about what God will do when Israel rebels. You see, all through the Old Covenant, there was never a carte blanche, Israel's blessed no matter what. This is never. Re read Deuteronomy 28 for one good example. Because if you, if, you, if you rebel, things get bad. And read Leviticus uh, 26 or 23, I forget which. Read the whole book, you'll find it. Uh, <laughs> that, that God will each time bring judgment, war. And if, and if they wouldn't repent, it would be seven times worse the next. Until you'll eat your own children. I don't know about you, that's not a good country to live in. It says it right in there. And uh, until I've completely destroyed you from off of the land. All, all of this cons is consistent through the Old Testament. And here we have the prophet feeling so alone. He, he literally thinks about suicide because it's just him. That, that's pretty alone. Until God finally comes to him and speaks to him and says, no, 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 I've reserved, I've reserved 7,000. Still not that many. But 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to COVID. I mean, Baal, forgive me. <laughs> I misspoke. It was a Freudian slip. You know what a Freudian slip is. It's when you say one thing, but you meant your mother. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so Elijah's alone, but now God tells him, no, there's 7,000 that I've reserved as a remnant. And that word remnant, you need to make a note on that because it'll run all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. By the way, you're the remnant. Yeah. Yeah, the church is the remnant. And, and so... Elijah doesn't give up in the midst of all of Israel's apostasy, 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 thank you, <laughs> praise the Lord, it's, see I'm in the right place, I got helpers, <laughs> apostasy, and I saw the word and it didn't sound right, <laughs> like David Varian used to say, my tongue got wrapped around my eye teeth and I couldn't see what I wanted to say, that's it. <laughs> Ah, glory to God. Well, I'm going to keep you laughing because some of this is a hard pill for some. And I know that, but I want you to keep, keep, keep a hold of it. So here's Elijah facing the most evil king in Israel's history. And he's an intercessor. And he prays. He ends up killing all of the prophets. Now, a lot of times you read this in your mind, you're thinking they're foreign prophets. No, no. These were fellow citizens. He's killing Jews. Every one of them was a Jew. 
a Hebrew. Now here in Romans 11, Paul brings it up. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. That would be a no. All right. For I also am an Israelite. See, Paul didn't get cast away. He said, I'm also an Israelite. I'm of the seed of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Talking about his physical flesh lineage. Right? He says, God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he made intercession to God against Israel. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought whoever curses Israel will be cursed. I thought we were supposed to pray for the peace of Israel. What's Elijah doing? Praying, interceding against Israel. And when he says Israel here, he's talking about the physical nation, the government of a country, the politics that took the country into Baal worship, into rebellion against the Most High, into rejection of the Word of God. Well, of course he's going to come against that. And he prayed against it. He didn't pray for it. He didn't bless Israel. He cursed Israel. And at and, and one scene, I love the one scene, I think it's 1 Kings 18. He tells his servant, you go tell Ahab, we're going to talk. And, and Ahab comes up to him. This king meets the prophet face to face. And you know what the king says? Are you the troubler of Israel? The king pointing, the anointed king, the rightful king, pointing to the prophet, the anointed prophet, standing on the word of God. And Elijah says, I'm not the troubler of Israel. You're the trouble. Because you've thrown down God's altars and you've desecrated the land and you've raised up Baal. And that conflict right there ought to open some of our eyes against what, what concerned me in that letter. You can't just put a stamp of approval on everything the nation of Israel does. I'm not an anti-Semite. Don't go away from here saying Pastor Dale's an anti-Semite. I've been called that before. No, I believe in justice. I'd like, I'd like to stand shoulder to shoulder with Elijah. Yeah, but they're Israel. We're supposed to bless Israel. Well, then you ought to go out and bless Karl Marx because he was a Jew. You know who Karl Marx was. I asked Terry, who's Karl Marx? And she said, Marxism? I said, <laughs> she got it right. Karl Marx came up with Marxism. Out of Marxism, we got socialism. Out of socialism, we got communism. And another fellow by the name of Lenin picked up Marxism and rode the wave of a revolution and, in, 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 and enforced communism upon the, the, the Soviet Union, came out of that. You ever hear of a guy named Lenin? I don't know how much history we got in the room. Lenin was a Jew. I'm not making this up. It's real quiet in here. You see, because 
we don't even know why we believe it, but we walk around thinking everything Israel does is blessed of God and they just get a free pass. God never gave them a free pass. You want to be like Elijah or you want to be like Ahab? Yeah, yeah. I'm not the troubler of Israel. You know, when Terry and I moved over to Russia, we lived in Moscow for a year. I was doing a lot of studying about cities and countries and whatnot. I found out in 2001, Israel was one of the lead countries for trafficking in women in the whole world. 30-some thousand young girls out of this former Soviet Union in prison. 60 Minutes did a, an expose and went into a brothel in Tel Aviv and showed Russian girls chained to beds. With the handcuffs. That's not good. It, it shouldn't take a whole lot of morality to say, not everything's right in the world. I believe in the United States of America, but obviously I think we're starting to wake up to realize not everything's right in the United States of America. Yeah. All I'm saying is you need to discern a little bit instead of just walking down and see, and I'm reading this email thinking, you, you know, I don't believe in defending Israel against Hamas because of the Bible saying they're blessed. Now, in case you're wondering, I am in support of Israel and I believe we should support Israel in this military engagement. But not because of the Bible. But because you don't do a surprise attack and invade and kill innocent people and cut the heads off of babies and get away with it. See, that's where the argument needs to be on the political realities and, 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 and that we're not as Christians. And this is what happens, and this is why I'm teaching it, is because the people in power in D.C. or in Brussels or in, or, or, or in Jerusalem begin to look at Christians as gullible religious fanatics who can be manipulated and will get their vote just because they love Israel. Somebody says, well, do you love Israel? Yeah, I do, and I like Dominican Republic and Haiti, too. And people just kind of look at you like, what did he just say? You want to know what I just said? I said, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved Israel, that he gave his only begotten son. He could have. And where some of us live, or where so, what some of us believe about Israel and the church, that's what he ought to have said. But he didn't. Why? Because when he called Abraham, he gave Abraham a promise about the land. And if you read in Romans 4, the Bible says that Abraham was to inherit the whole earth. Who? See, when Jesus stood up and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, it wasn't a new idea. The Great Commission was all the way back in Genesis, what is it, 16? And so our view of Israel and the church has to just, all I want us to do is not be gullible. And there is a hair's breadth difference between being teachable and being gullible. Amen. Go with me to uh, Matthew 21. Now y'all so quiet, you're scaring me. Is this interesting to you? I mean, we, I can go home. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew 21. No, no, let's, I'm sorry. Let's go to Matthew 3 first. We might not have time to get to 21. Let's go to 3. 
How many of you remember John the Baptist? Now, did you know John the Baptist was a type of Elijah? Okay. In fact, some people thought he was Elijah reincarnated. And uh, Jesus even said, you know, there were prophetic types and shadows and, and John the Baptist fulfilled that. I think one of the important things to remember at this part of the teaching is that John the Baptist had an important ministry. And when he was asked about it, he quoted Isaiah and he said, I am come to prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare the way of the Lord. And he said, I'm going to make mountains low and I'm going to make valleys high and make a, a straight highway, see, and which would be great for our road systems if you just took the bumps and put them in the potholes and made a smooth road. <laughs> Doesn't take a lot of wisdom, does it? Hallelujah. So, so John the Baptist, whatever it was that he taught, and the Bible gives us quite a few examples, not a lot, but some, that's preparation. And I've often scratched my head and said, well, now what is preparatory about what John the Baptist is saying. And, and here, let's, let's look at this major, this is one of the major things he brought across. Matthew tw- uh, 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O oh, you blessed and wonderful and highly favored people. Oh, wait a minute, these are Jews. They're, not only are they Jews, they're the leaders of the Jews. Amen. All right. What do you call them? Oh, generation of vipers. Snakes, he called them. You know, calling somebody a snake has been dirty all through history. I don't, I don't think there's ever been a time when calling somebody a snake was a compliment. Right? He, he, he's pretty strong. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I mean, he's saying, your day's coming. Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. In other words, talk is cheap. You say you've repented, let me see it. Bring forth the fruit. And that is important. We, I don't want to get too far off on that. But, you know, if you, if you are a believer, there ought to be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law. There ought to be some fruit. Amen? Amen. And he says, and think not to say within yourselves, see, 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 underline this. They didn't say it out loud. They, did, they didn't probably even write it. This is just what they thought inside themselves. This is what I was talking about at the beginning. There's all, all people, every one of us, we walk around whether we know it or not. There's certain assumptions we have, things that we believe and we really haven't thought about it that I believe that. You don't even know why you believe that. You don't know where it came from. But that's what you believe. And he says, you think to yourselves, you say, don't say within yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. 
and, and, and is, is expounded in, in Romans. It's, he's, he's expounded in Galatians. In both places, Paul takes Abraham to prove one thing. That it has always been by faith. Paul goes on to say in Romans 9, not all Israel is Israel. He says in Romans 2, not everybody is a Jew just because they got circumcised. But a man is a Jew inwardly in the heart. You see, when you look at an Elijah and you look at an Ahab, they both have the same blood, but one of them is an Israelite. And one of them is not. Oh, amen. And wh what makes the difference? Elijah's faith. See, see, by faith we're the children of Abraham. Not by blood. And this principle explodes in the New Testament because a change is coming. A change is coming. The cross. And at the cross, everything changes. The old covenant passes away. The temple is destroyed. The, the veil be, that, that keeps the Holy of Holies covered is cut from top to bottom. The presence, the glory leaves the temple. You go ahead and build another temple all you want. You're not getting the Holy Ghost to fly back in there and nobody's sowing that curtain back up. You might as well just build a big holiday in there. And so, now, now I can hear somebody saying that and it's off the subject. Yeah, but isn't, aren't they supposed to build another temple? What do you mean they? The temple that will be, another temple will be built and someone will sit in it and he will say he is God. He's the Antichrist. I don't know if you understand that or not. That's not good. Amen. And if you read 1 Thessalonians, you and I are called to resist that and stop it, not promote it. The Bible says we're to hinder the spirit of Antichrist until we're taken out of the way. Well, and then he, he'll have his free move, but that, that's fine. See, see, the blood issue, go to John 1. Is important. It's an important issue, and it was announced. And John the Baptist had to prepare people for, for some shocking changes. Because you were born a Jew. I wasn't born a Jew. My great, 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 great granddaddy Joseph was a Scottish man, a Scotsman. He was a pig farmer on a hill in western Pennsylvania. And uh, I don't know, I never did one of those DNA tests. I'm always afraid of tests. I took a personality test once and failed. You know, I don't know, a DNA test. How do you study for a DNA test anyhow? But I might have Jewish, physical Jewish blood in me, but I don't know about it. But I'm as Jewish as it comes. Because I was born not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. That's right. See, here in John 1, let's start there real quick. Just covering a few scriptures. Jen said if it takes three hours, that's okay. 
and, 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 and so, so I'll have to beg for the fourth hour. But anyway, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. How many of you know we're talking about Jesus? He goes on, in verse, look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. All men might believe. All men might believe. In case you didn't hear me, all men might believe. He wasn't the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. Every man that comes into the world. In case you didn't hear me when I was reading that. Every man that comes into the world. Right? See, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, who were born not of blood. You see, the Jewish man was a child of God just because he's a Jew before the cross. Because he was born under covenant. See, you, if you were born here, guess what? You're an American. Even if your mom and dad were from Thailand. But they, they came here, had a baby, and their baby's a citizen. Right? That's, that's a covenant. A man born into a Hebrew family is a Hebrew. And God made a covenant with the house of Israel, the physical house of Israel. And so up until the cross, sonship was a lineage physical thing. Because all of man's relations to God was, was a physical thing. It was something you could touch and feel. It was a tabernacle. It was a sacrifice. It, 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 it was a pole with a serpent, and, and they held it up, and everyone that looked at it was healed, right? And, and yet, that exploded at the cross. It exploded. No more was it based on blood. And so he says, as many as received him became, they had the power to become sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Now he goes on to say, one of the most underrated, overlooked scriptures in the New Testament in reference to Israel and the church because of this fascination of end times teaching and a temple. And now Israel's a nation again. And there's gonna, they're going to build a new temple. Listen, the new temple already came. We are the temple of the living God. He said the word was made flesh. And King James says, and dwelt among us. Well, this is a bad translation. Well, poor. It wasn't deceptive. It, it just, it's what it is. It is what it is. But the Greek word here 
is the word tabernacle. It's the same word for the tabernacle. See, Jesus came into, into Mary's body and was born. He tabernacled into that flesh. We don't have time, but John, the whole, the whole book of John depicts it. So does uh, uh, Mark and John, uh, Matthew, I believe, that Jesus was constantly teaching things that made the Jews mad because they thought he was saying, I'm going to destroy the temple. What he was saying is the temple is no longer relevant because it's going to explode into the body of Christ. And that temple power, I mean, where do you think the Holy Spirit went when the, when the curtain was cut? He went into you. Yeah. You, you, you think there was a separate Holy Ghost somewhere hiding off, off stage, right? Waiting to come and fill you up? No, you have the same. When Moses walked into the tabernacle, and you know, he would take the veil off his face and he would privately meet with God, and the Bible says it made his skin glow. That's the Holy Ghost on the Holy of Holies. Where did he go? Well, when the curtain was cut, he went into you. <sighs> Glory to God. See, this tabernacle's already arrived because everything written about Jesus has been fulfilled. Now, go over with me now. Hold on to your seat to John 3. Years ago, years ago. Oh, my, my. I, it, was, it was when I met Christopher Alam. Terry and I were pastoring in Titusville. Never tell you how I met Christopher Alam. Some of you don't know Christopher Alam. Shame on you. We'll have to get him in here. Great man of God. Christopher was born a Muslim in Pakistan. His father a general. Rich family. Christopher never dressed himself until he was over 18 years of age. Had servants dress him. Reason... He had to dress himself as he got saved and had to run away because his father tried to kill him. He couldn't really take the servants with him. And uh, long story short, he, he walked all the way from Pakistan to Istanbul. Walked. And uh, some believers met him and got him to Sweden under refugee status where he met a couple other believers. They got filled with the Holy Ghost and flew to America and went to Rama Bible Training Center. Then he went back on the mission field and went all over the world preaching. And uh, one day in the 90s, I suppose it was, or 80s even, I don't remember, 90s, I guess, we were having our landmark. You all hear of a landmark? And one of our guests was from Hawaii, He's a dear, dear friend of mine, Bob McDonald. And we were sitting at the table in the little, little kitchen in the church after one of these meetings. And I had ministered. And that's one of the things I like about the landmark is a lot of times I'll have guest speakers come in to speak, but they never get to hear me speak. So they don't know if I can preach worth a dime, you know. But at a landmark, we get to hear each other. And, and, and Bobby's saying, you sound like Christopher Alam. You need to meet him. I'm like, who's Christopher Alam? Never heard of him. Oh, yeah, you don't know Christopher Alam. You need to meet him. You're just like Christopher. And I said, really? He says, yeah. And he, he left. He excused himself, left the kitchen. And the phone rings in the kitchen, and the secretary says, uh, 
Pastor Dale, there's a phone call for you. A guy by the name of Christopher Alam? Well, I'm sitting there. I mean, it's just that fast. I'm sitting there thinking, eh, Bobby, you know, he's joking around, pulling my leg. He went out, you know, into some other office and picked up a phone. He's playing some joke on me. So I literally took the phone and I said, yeah, right, Christopher Alam. <laughs> yes, this is Christopher Alam. <laughs> Could I speak with Pastor Dale? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll go get him. <laughs> Let me put you on hold. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, uh, so I, I put him on hold. I ran, I, I ran and grabbed Bobby, and I ran to my office. And, and, and I, so I put him on speakerphone with Bob. And I'm laughing and almost crying. It's like, uh, hello. <laughs> and so that's how we met. Well, about a week later, two weeks later, Christopher calls me. Now, this is before internet, you know. He didn't get online and hear me preach. This was, you know, B.C., before cell phones. <laughs> Some of you young people, you got it. Life was different. Things were easier. Quieter. Dear Lord. Anyhow, so he... About two weeks later, I think, I get a phone call. It's Christopher. And I'm saying, hello, sir. You know, what can I do for you? He says, uh, well, he said, I have a conference, a week-long conference in, in uh, Sweden. And uh, I had a guest speaker. We're, we're teaching in a Bible school and special meetings at night. And Benny Hinn's brother is the, is the speaker. And I've done all the advertising. And he, he just called me, and he's sick. He can't come. And I can't do the whole thing myself. And he said, I, I asked the Lord what to do. And the Lord said, invite Dale Armstrong. Can you come? I said, well, when is it? We start Friday. It's like, it's like three days away. I'm, you know, Sweden's not next door. And uh, so he said, you want to pray about it and get back to me? And I said, what for? I'll be there. And it went real quiet. He said, you don't want to pray about it? I said, why should I waste time praying about it when you heard from God? Either you heard from God or you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so I had to, I got on a plane. Again, pray for Terry. She lives with me. And uh, I got on a plane and met Christopher. Where am I going with all this? Oh, I got, I need, I, I need Zachary. He remembers all my stories. Anyhow, I, we got into this meeting and it was a Bible school, several hundred students, very good Bible school. But I walked in there to teach and they don't know me and they don't get Benny Hinn's brother. They get an unknown, you know, so who's he? And you feel that in the spirit. It's like, okay, you got to kind of use the hammer of the, rock, of the word of God and break the rock in pieces. That's how you start, you know. And, and, I, and the first service just was horrible. I didn't feel like I got through. And, and I went to the Lord then. I think that was a night meeting. I went to the Lord, and I got to teach these Bible school students in the, in the morning. And I'm like, Lord, you know, what do you want me to teach them? And the Lord said, teach them John 3.16. And I'm like, that room was full of pride. 
Like, they already know John 3.16. That room was full of Bible students that think they're better than the guy preaching to them. And you want me to preach John 3.16. I said, Lord, they know John 3.16. And the Lord said, they don't know John 3.16 and neither do you. And I kind of went, I want to preach John 3.16. Well, out of that came several things that I had never seen before, but the, the one you've probably heard me preach it because it somewhat changed my life, is if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what makes you think he won't give you? Uh, I preached that and kept repeating it throughout the service. What makes you think he won't give you? Then I gave an altar call for missionaries. Filled the altar. But the other thing the Lord showed me I had never seen before, uh, I'll share with you, because you've got to start in chapter 1, or verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So what ethnicity is this man? Yeah, he's a Jew. He's a Hebrew. And he's a ruler. The same came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, now, now hold on a minute. Uh, Jesus answered him. So somehow and somewhere in verse 2 there's a question, which the King James doesn't have a question mark. You see that? That's one thing to look at. So when he said, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him, there's a question hanging in the air that Jesus answers, and this is his answer. He, this wasn't a commandment, it was an answer. He said to him, verily, verily, I say unto you, and now verily, verily means truly, truly. Jesus being the Son of God who cannot lie, has to bolster his integrity. Wherever Jesus says, verily, verily, get ready for a whammy. Yeah, this is going to be hard to swallow. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Oh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Now, in our day, we've heard this preached. I've preached this. You, you must be born again. But for most American Protestants, most evangelical churches, doesn't matter if they're Baptist or Charismatic, Pentecostal or Lutheran, whatever area, when, when you preach you must be born again, most of us emphasize and focus on the fact that our spirits are dead to God and we're born again and God gives us a new spirit, a new heart. Now, all of that's true, but that isn't what Jesus was answering. What was Jesus answering? Nicodemus was a Jew by birth. 
He was accepted of God because he was born a Hebrew. His relationship wasn't, wasn't because he went to the altar. His relationship was because his father was a Hebrew. He was by blood accepted to God. And Jesus said, that's not enough. You've got to be born again. And now, some of us have laughed that Nicodemus wasn't very bright. Why would you say something so stupid? How can an old man be born again? How Am I supposed to enter into my mother again? That's not a stupid statement when everything about you is based on the fact you were born of your mother. Your, your relationship with God is because of blood, because of lineage, because of that heritage. I have a walk with God. And it's true, he did. He did. Now, now, now don't lose this point. He really did, because he had the old covenant. And because of the old covenant, born of a Hebrew, he had all the rights and privileges that God had made in covenant promise to the Jewish nation that were appropriated by faith. He had that advantage, Paul called it in the book of Romans. He had the testament, he had the glory, he had the covenants, he had the sacrifices. He had all of these things to his advantage simply because he was born. I don't know what his daddy's name was, but that's why. But now Jesus is saying, you must be born again. Why? Because the cross is coming. And the cross changes everything. The cross goes from the nation of physical, fleshly Israel to another word that I wish we had translated differently, to all the Gentiles. Now this word Gentile, it's an appropriate word because it basically means everybody but the Jews. But it actually is better translated nations. Nations. And when you translate it Gentiles, you lose the Great Commission inference. See, when it's nations, you, I smell missions. And everything about me is missions. Don't hang around me too long. You'll end up in Tanzania. I had a radio guy in 1987. Glenn. Glenn was an amazing man. Very faithful servant. And uh, for two years he would take tape. Robin knows what I'm talking about. I would teach for 14 and a half minutes. And Glenn would put a. 30 second intro and cut the tape and put it together and take a little exit and cut the tape. Took a lot of time. And we did five, 15 minutes a day for two years on three different stations. And, and he did all the work. And I put them together, the New Beginnings broadcast. And after that period of time, the Lord told me to shut it down. It was done. I didn't know why. I didn't know I was going to step into missions. But one of the other things I didn't know is shortly after I shut it down, Glenn walks into my office and he says, I can't take it anymore. I said, what? He says, I can't take it. I listened to you preaching all day long and I'm sitting there in a booth. I can't take it. I'm going on the mission field. <laughs> the nations. 
have always been on God's heart. And John the Baptist prepared the people that God can raise up children out of these stones. Just don't think in your heart you're, you're a child of God because you were born that way. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, you want to talk about miracles? You want to talk about God being with me? You've you got to be born again. You've got to understand what's coming, Nicodemus. It's not your blood. John chapter 1. The right to become a child of God is no longer by birth. It's by faith. It's by, it's by being born of the Spirit. Yes, don't get, don't get too scared. Everything I said about man has a dead spirit, that's what sin does. And, 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 and in that new birth experience, he takes out our heart. Ezekiel says he takes out this heart that's like a rock. And he takes it out, Ezekiel 26 or 36, chapter 36, I think. Ezekiel 36, 26. He takes out this heart of rock and he gives you a new heart of flesh, soft. And, and, and what happens then explosively is I have a relationship with God that's far better than any Jew under the old covenant. Jesus said the least in the kingdom of heaven, that means the least believer, is greater than John the Baptist. <sighs> I ain't trading that for nothing. I ain't going back to any of that for nothing. Somebody says, well, we need to reinstate some of these these uh, festivals or some of these holidays or some of these Jewish things. Those were all types and shadows. They served their purpose. Now we have the fulfillment and the promise. I used to, you know, before internet, I used to go all over the former Soviet and you know what I had in my wallet? Pictures of my family. And every once in a while I'd look at them, but not often, to be honest, because I'd start crying. I had one guy I was with, and he took all the pictures and put them up on, he had them in frames and put, put them up everywhere we'd go. I said, that'd kill me. I, can't, I, I have to focus, and otherwise I'd, I can't stay over here, you know. And, you know, eventually, though, you come home and you fly home, and you, you go back to your house, and there, there she is. And, and all of her beauty, and she's a beauty. And he, she's standing there and, and greeting me at the airport. And there she is. Wait, wait. And I pull out my wallet and look at the picture. <laughs> well, that's what people do when they go back to these, these ceremonies and these festivals and these seasons and these days. Why would you go back to that when you got here? She's right there. Hug her. Why do I need to go back to some festival that talks about the Holy Spirit when he lives in me. Amen. And so we'll close here maybe. And let, let's, let's flip over to, uh, to Hebrews. So there's some people that say, well, you believe that the church replaces Israel. Oh, no, 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 I don't. I, I believe Israel never quit, never missed a step. Ephesians chapter 1 says it was an eternal purpose from the beginning of time. And, and as you read through Ephesians, he even talks about how there used to be the, the, the nations were separate from God. They were far off, the Bible says. They were far off from the covenant promises. And there was a wall 
a wall between us that even when they tried to come into the covenant, and this is all through the Old Testament, even if they tried to join Israel, they, there was a wall in the tabernacle. They, they, they were only allowed in the outer court. Even those that, that feared God. But Bible says, Paul says, that God broke down that wall and he took two peoples, the nations of the world and Israel. And he took two men and he made one new man. That's, that's the church. That's me and you. Somebody said, oh, you replaced Israel? No, I joined Israel. Israel joined me. I am a Jew. Amen. Paul said, a Jew is one who is one, a Jew inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. You can even go further. He even said, you know, now in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew or Greek. There's no male or female. God was into this gender thing a long time before the liberals. You ever think about that? You fill in that, that form, male, female, right in there, neither. Just throw their garbage right back at them. Anyhow, don't get me off on that. How come you took me over there? Anyway, we are one with all the promises. Look here in, in uh, Hebrews 8. Let's start in verse 6. The whole book of Hebrews is about what I'm talking to you about. The old covenant passing away, the new covenant coming. And there being a, a change. And, and, and in this change, God, God was very careful. And he brought in John the Baptist to prepare the people. So that those that were faithful would be ready for the change. And, 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 and Jesus himself personally addressing Nicodemus about this change. It's no longer going to be blood. It's going to be born of the Spirit. And that... that Death, so to speak, well, not so to speak, that death of the old covenant it being wrapped up like he, he gives in another place. He says it's like taking off a worn out garment, taking it off and putting on a new garment. It served its purpose. The Bible says the law was to bring us to Christ. He's here. Amen. We have a new law now, the law of love. Much, much higher than the old covenant. Much more strict. Under the old covenant, it was an eye for an eye. Punch me, I punch you. The law of love is harder than that. Sometimes I've wanted that old one back. Might be fun to stone a few people. I think I'd have fit in real well with some of them Old Testament stories. How about you? But no, you're born again. And the, the law of love is higher. And that law of love fulfills all and more. And so, look here, he says, we'll start in verse 6. But now he, talking about Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he's the mediator of a better covenant. Say, better covenant. See, we live in a, a new covenant day, the new covenant, and it's better. Why, why would you want to go back? Well, you know, I got the iPhone 15, and it's awesome, but I really think I'm going to go back to the iPhone 4. <laughs> Why would you do that? Something's wrong with you. It won't even work now. 
Why would you? What's that? I'm not going to use Android as an example because Android might work. But anyhow, <laughs> for every geek in the house. But, but the old covenant, we've got a better covenant. We've got better promises. Better promises. Now, I'm a, I don't have time, so I'm just going to give you one better promise. What's the first commandment with promise? Okay, I'll quote hers. Honor your mother and father that you may live long on the earth. How many of you believe that's it? That's not it. No, that's not the first one. That's the second one. Because the first promise was from the book of Deuteronomy to the Jews who were accepted by God by their birth who were given a plot of land. And the promise was, honor your father and mother and it'll go well with you and you'll Live long on the land that I've given you. But in Ephesians 5 verse 2, when he's speaking to the church, he doesn't say land. He says the whole earth. The whole earth. See, that's a better promise. That's a better covenant with a better promise. Because now I'm blessed if, if, if I'm on a beach in Hawaii instead of a beach in Tel Aviv. Amen? So, so uh, he's the mediator of that new covenant. Verse 7, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then there would have been no place for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Now, this verse, verse 8 is important. He's quoting from Jeremiah. But when, when I make a contract, the other day I, had, I, I signed a contract. You ever sign a contract? Well, one of the most important things on a contract is there ought to be at least two names. Right? So there's the, there's the seller and there's the buyer. If it's an agreement, there's the agreee and the agreed. There's the service and there's the, you know what I'm saying. There's two people or you don't have a contract. And when you have those, those two, you know, for whom is this contract enforced? So when we talk about the new covenant, there should be someone who gives the covenant and someone who receives the covenant. We know that God made the old covenant with national, physical Israel, right? But who did he make the new covenant with? Are you in the new covenant? I, I believe I'm in the new covenant. But have you ever studied it out? Are you in the new covenant? Don't worry, I'm not tricking you. You're in the new covenant. <laughs> but how do you know you're in the new covenant? Because there's only two verses that'll tell you the, who the contract was made with. And here it is. I'll make a new covenant with who? What's it say in your Bible? Who the house is? See, if you're not Israel, you're not in the new covenant. Man, you can hear a pin drop in here. If you're not in, if you're not the house of Israel, you're not in the new covenant. But don't worry, you are the house of Israel. Why? Because you'll find out in Romans 9, you know, Paul liked to use analogies. He talked about wrestling. He talked about running a race. He talked about armor in a soldier, right? He talked about 
uh, the, the, the body of Christ being a temple and you build it. He talked about the body of Christ being a garden and you tend it. He, he, he talked about the body, being, the body of Christ being a body and the ear can't say to the eye. He had all these analogies, didn't he? One of his analogies was the Jewish nation with all the covenant promises is an olive tree. It goes, draws all the way back to Isaiah. And he's using this analogy. You'll read it in Romans chapter 9. And he says, what's happened is the unfaithful Israel was a branch on that olive tree and God broke it off. And, and you can go to Matthew 21 and Jesus talks about how God will break off the, that and cast it into the fire. Well, he breaks off this branch of this olive tree and then he takes the nations. King James says Gentiles. But again, you miss the Great Commission aspect. He takes the nations and he grafts them into the olive tree. I don't know, have you ever grafted a tree? My, my granddad taught me to graft fruit trees. I probably have forgotten how, but we, we grafted a lot of fruit trees. It, it's fun. It's fun over the years to see how, how, the, how that foreign limb fr from another fruit tree will grow on this fruit tree. And, and so he took the nations of the world and grafted them in to this olive tree. That's why we don't replace Israel we are Israel. We got grafted in. We're, we're bearing fruit on the same tree. We are the tree. We might not have been here from the root, but by God's grace, we got grafted in. Oh, hallelujah. And guess what? When the covenant was made with the house of Israel, I'm under the covenant now. Not by my blood. By my faith. By my faith. So this covenant was made with the house of Israel. And somebody said, oh, the church cannot be Israel. Well, I got 20-some reasons and 20-some 20, 20 scriptures that tells me the church and Israel are one and the same. And he goes on to talk about this covenant, verse 9, is not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Verse 10, for this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after these days. I'll put my laws in their mind, write them in their hearts. I'll be to them a God. And they'll be to me a people. And, and he goes on in talking about how every man will know the Lord. You see, under the old covenant, only the prophet, priest, and king actually knew the Lord. We, everyone else, you remember when Moses stood before God? Everybody else trembled and quaked and ran away be, be, because they didn't have... A, a spiritual relationship with the Lord. But guess what? You got everything Moses had, everything David had. In fact, Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater than a Moses. The least in the kingdom is greater than a David. Amen. So he said, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he made the first old. Now that which decays and wax old is ready to vanish away. Disappear. It's gone. The old covenant is gone. I said, it's gone. Somebody says, oh, well, they need to restore sacrifice in, the, in Israel. That won't be the old covenant. Well, they need to rebuild the, 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 the temple and worship God in Israel. Well, they may make a building, but it won't be the old covenant because it's gone. Well, what will it be? It's called Antichrist. 
Now, Christ is the Greek translation of a Hebrew word, Messiah. See, Antichrist simply means anti-Messiah. He's the opposing one. And he's been in the earth from the beginning. He, First John says the spirit of Antichrist is already here. It's the spirit of Antichrist that animated Hitler and Mussolini and Lenin and Putin. The spirit of Antichrist. But, but we, we stand against it. So I said, well, well, then what about national Israel? Well, after Paul said this, uh, which would have been about 70 A.D., he wrote this. Some people don't believe Paul wrote it. I think Paul wrote it. I'm patient enough to wait till we all get to heaven for Jesus to say Paul wrote it. But um, after Paul wrote this, this is what's powerful. He's writing this to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, most likely in Jerusalem, who were living in the city that was soon to disappear. Because in uh, A.D. 108, one generation, uh, the Romans came in. And, and destroyed the temple. And from 108, Israel ceased to exist as a nation. It ceased to exist. A lot of us don't know our history. But from 108, there was no Israel. No politics. No leader. Just Jews running for their lives. For 1,840 some years. Persecuted. And, and, and beaten. And right about here people say, oh, well, the church treated them horribly. Well, at that time, life was a bit different and everybody was uh, treating Christians horribly, burning them at the stake, throwing them to the lions. So it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek to try and pull out who was after who. I, I, I quite honestly don't know. But I do know we love the brethren and that are born again, and we also love those who are not born again. So whether they're Jew, or, or from Cambodia, or from Nicaragua, or from Nigeria, or, 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 or from New Guinea, that doesn't matter, does it? Because we're bringing the gospel to all the world. And we must bring the gospel to the Jews. Paul, Paul said, I'm, my heart's breaking because I want my fellow brothers, meaning ethnically, to be born again. Let me say it another way. Elijah's heart was breaking. He thought he was alone. But there were 7,000 that believed. That was the true Israel. The true Israel today isn't confined within a national border. Somebody says, well, is God blessing national, natural Israel? Not according to the old covenant because it doesn't exist. Someone says, yeah, but there's promises that have not been fulfilled. No. He'll fulfill, he has fulfilled, you can read in Luke, everything about Jesus has been completely fulfilled. Things about the Antichrist, well, those will come to pass. Did God give them a nation in 1948? Oh, it's, everything's going according to plan. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not sure you want to like that plan. Because when, when this wrath comes upon the earth... And it depends on whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, or, or whatever. It's still going to come two-thirds of the, the Israel nation, the ethnic Jews. Two-thirds. And right now, if you take a census right now, that's 10 million people will be killed. I don't like that. I don't know about you. That's not good. I, I, want, I, want, I, I trust those 10 million have received Jesus before all this stuff winds up. 
But in the end, we're not making a geopolitical decision about supporting uh, Israel over Hamas because of them having a carte blanche, the favor of God resting upon them. Uh, no, I love them as much as I love Hamas. They need saved too. We need churches in Palestine. This is a very difficult, and it's a whole other discussion on the mission field. But Jesus died for the Palestinians and the Arabs and the Turks and, and, and the Russians. He, he, he died for all of them. He died for the Chinese. And I don't know if you can handle it or not. He even died for your neighbor. Right? See, we gotta, we gotta, we've come to the cross, man. This has exploded universally. And, 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 and the bottom line is, for a Jew, uh, for an ethnic person born in the Hebrew lineage, he, ha he has no touch with God unless he's born again. He might have an advantage. Maybe his father made him memorize the Old Testament. That'd be a good advantage. You know, some of you had an advantage. You went to some Bible school class or Sunday school class and you heard some Bible. That was an advantage. But, it didn't, but you still had to get saved. Are you born again? See, I know you won't go fishing if you can't fish here. You won't go fishing out there if you can't fish here. So d d turn to your neighbor. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Make sure everybody's born again. Are you, are you ashamed? Make sure, especially the, the younger people, the visitors. You know, I know some churches, they'll say every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I did that once. I did. <laughs> I don't do it a lot. I like, I like every eye open and everybody looking around because I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'd be dead if I didn't get born again. Being saved is the greatest thing on the planet. You want peace? Hey, sign me up. Amen? The only time that I remember where I had everybody bow their heads and close their eyes is when I got to the pulpit and Terry looked at me and said, your zipper's down. <laughs> True story. Every head bow, every eye close, and nobody looking around. Now, let's begin. That was at the community center in Cory, Pennsylvania. Praise the Lord. So let me end with this, and we'll worship. Why don't we let the worship team come? Did I give you any time? You know, things may get worse in the next couple weeks. One of the things I want to say is everyone in Israel was caught by surprise. They, they were led to believe they were in safety. They were protected by the best of the best. The Israeli Defense Forces are unparalleled. The intelligence agency, the Mossad, is better than ours. But they got took. It should sober us. Again, this isn't about fear. This is... I won't say more if I don't feel faith. I ain't into scaring people. We've got to be men and women of faith in this time. Because it's here. Iran may very well have a nuclear weapon within 12 days. 
that makes a lot of people uptight shouldn't make us uptight. See to it that your heart is not troubled. Israel got taken by surprise. There's a lot of things that could happen in this country. Well, if they do, we know where our family is. We know who to trust. We know how to pray. We know how to give. Oh, okay. I, did, I thought an angel of God came down, put his hand on my shoulder. I was like, whoo, glory to God. I said, it's time to go home, Lord. I only cracked the surface on this issue of Israel and the church, but I think enough to make you go study. Let's stand up. I want to pray and then we'll worship. Lord, we pray for the hurting and the suffering in Israel and in Palestine, in Ukraine, through the Donbass, for those whose lives have been turned upside down, who've lost their families, lost homes, lost business, for those who are, have been captured, for those little children in Ukraine that have been taken across into Russia, to, to only you know where, Lord, but I ask you to bring them back and protect them. For all of these horrible, horrible things in the earth, we stand upon the promises. Though a thousand fall, at one side and 10,000 on the other. It's not coming near me. I will believe and I am saved and my whole household after me. My family's blessed. How about yours? I am blessed. Friends, these aren't just mere pick-me-up things. This is where we live. All my needs are met. I love my wife recently. She keeps reminding me. I grumble about the gas cost at the pump. She says, thank God we got the money to pay for it. I sit down and said, a hamburger is $20. Thank God we have the money to pay for it. I like it when she says that. When she starts preaching my sermons at me, she's gone too far. But I like it when she says that. Amen. Amen. We're above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. We are. Why? Because we're Israel. All of those promises are ours. Father, bless every person within the sound of my voice with a spirit of victory and an understanding that their heart is at rest, that their passion is for you. And the next step in their life, that good step that you've ordered for their lives is clear and apparent for them. And we give you praise and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I hope you got something out of that tonight. designed according to the image of what was in heaven what was in heaven came first 
And he made that tabernacle and the glory of God filled it. Later, David wanted to build a house, a temple for our God. But his hands were bloody and God chose Solomon and everything was prepared by David, but Solomon built that temple and the glory of God filled that temple. And then Jesus came and was made flesh and tabernacled among men. And he told the Jews, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And the Old Testament said, when that temple comes, the glory of that temple will far exceed the glory of all other temples. And in Corinthians, Paul said, you're the temple of God. And God said, I want to live in you, walk in you, and be your God and you be my people. And that's the greater glory, greater than stones flying buttresses and pillars and sacrifices greater than than a tabernacle with all of the sacrifices and the fire but in you God has come to live and to dwell remember years ago someone of a more let's just say more religious background very kind person said and God be with you I'd never heard that before. And I kind of stuttered. And I said, He is. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and says, He is. He's with me. He's in me. Amen. You got another one? You you look like you're ready to launch out. Yeah, we got one more. You got one more. We always have one more, but we have one more plan. Well, He's in you. Speak Jesus over your neighbor. Take hands while, touch somebody while we're singing this song and minister healing and life to one another. We're the body. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I think of the nation of Israel, 
what comes to my heart and mind is the faithfulness of the Father. It just covers their whole history as a little people group. He took a little people group from the very beginning and dealt with this little people group down through the centuries. And he's going to finish with this people group, this deal, he's going to deal with them. But in their faith, in their unfaithfulness, all through their history, God the Father remained faithful to his word. Everything he said has come to pass and will come to pass. Church, it's no different for us. No matter what the future holds, our Father is faithful. He is good. He he is good to his kids. And he's a faithful father. We have nothing to fear as we heard tonight. We know the end of the book. We win. We walk in that triumphant victory. Present present tense, progressive. I love to think the word like that. Present tense, progressive. That's where we are and that's where we're going. And it's all because of his faithfulness to us. Amen. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to somebody before you go, hug their neck, shake their hand, introduce yourself, tell them hello. Terry and I love you. Sid and Jen love you. God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost love you. I guess you're all right. God bless you as you go. Good evening, everyone. Oh, glad to see you all here tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself with like believers. And that's what we're doing, obeying the word tonight. I'd like to encourage you in the word of God tonight in Psalms 106 in verse 47. It says, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to his holy name to triumph in your praise. Now note the order here, thanks and praise. So to praise God, there's triumph in that. You know, in the ancient world, um, they did not triumph in, in a battle. They triumphed in celebration of a battle won. So when we come to the Lord to praise him, we're positioned in a place of triumph. We're not asking him for victory. We're celebrating the victory that he won for us. So we're tied in that victory with him. That's our position. So again, in the ancient world, they used to win their battles and the king would be in the, the chariot with the white horse and they'd go through the streets and the people on the sidelines would be praising and cheering and they'd be dragging their enemy with chains behind them right? Get a picture of that. My question is, where are you in that picture? If you're a born-again believer, you're in the chariot with the king. We're in Christ. How do you step into that chariot? With praise. Amen. We already have the victory in, in Jesus Christ. 
He paid that price. He fought that battle. And now we just celebrate that battle right along with him. Amen. Let's stand up tonight and let's celebrate this beautiful, great salvation that he won. He battled and he won for each one of us. And let's go with a heart of thanksgiving. Amen. Well, someone's going to praise him. <laughs> and, and it's what? Better be me. That's right. Jesus, it's all about you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus, we just want to celebrate you tonight. We want to thank you, invite you. We want to invite your manifest presence to move among us tonight. We open our hearts, the good soil of our hearts. We yield and surrender to you, Holy Spirit, tonight. And we just celebrate and honor and reverence you. We reverence your voice tonight. We, we reverence your heartbeat tonight. We want all of you. So thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our hearts, what you're going to do in our bodies, what you're going to do in us. We look to you expectancy, with an expectancy, because you're here and you love us. You're the head of the church. So we thank you, we bless you, we worship you, we love you, we honor you tonight. We've come to give you glory. We give glory with our lips as we praise you and thank you and honor you. And that's our heart's desire tonight. We position ourselves to not only give to you tonight, but to be good receivers as well. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Well, beloved family, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor and thank them for coming tonight and being a part of the assembling of the body tonight. And the children may be dismissed to their classes. And we thank you for the teachers tonight. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be here with you all again. Do we have anyone that's with us for the very first time? We'd like to welcome our first-time guests in this house. Anyone here? Oh, right here in the back. Let's give them a warm welcome. We trust you'll be blessed tonight. Our ushers have a little information card. If you'd like, you can fill that out and pass it in the basket. And uh, we are going to return the tithe the Lord in this house, so if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand and our ushers will bring you one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI, and if you're giving by credit card, we appreciate when all the blanks are filled out. It makes things so much more easy. Well, as part of our worship, how many know that part of worship is to return the tithe, Amen. What you worship, you exalt. What you worship, you place a high value on. And if you read through the book of Malachi, you can see that tithing, tithes, and offerings was a demonstration of honor. A demonstration, the Lord said, return to me, 
and I will return to you. And that demonstration of returning was in returning the tithe. So that's in lining up your priorities right. That's in placing a high value on the Lord, this returning. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26. And I want to look at this, that when we bring the tithe, this is not something that we do like when you pay a bill where you just sort of whip out your checkbook, scribble it out quick, and I don't know, maybe you miss the date, throw it in, and, you know, it's on its way. No. When we return the tithe, we are, it's part of our worship. There's a heart posture that we are to have. And I think that we understand this, that when we say, you know, we honor the Lord with our tithes, we honor the Lord with our offerings, that we understand that we're not sending a wire transfer up to heaven, right? No, there is a, it, you know, we come to a natural place and people in this natural realm are receiving it. But don't lose sight of it that it's unto the Lord. It's to him. And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 26. Uh, let's just start here in verse 1. It says, this is, again, I'm talking about tithing being part of our worship. It says, when you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, how many know that this Canaan's land was a type of all that we possess in Christ today? So this is a type. So once they've come into the land and they've taken possession of it and they've settled in it, it says, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. So you're going to your local, I mean, this is, they've dwelt in this land. They've come in, they've settled. There's not just one place. There's multiple places where they would come together, where they would assemble together and worship the Lord their God. So at their local place, it says, um, say to the priest and office at the time, Oh, so you're supposed to say. Oh, so tithing's supposed to be like intentional. Like I'm going to say and I'm going to declare something to the Lord. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest will take the basket from your hands, set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. What was the altar used for? Their offerings to the Lord. So setting it down before this altar, and you're going to declare before the Lord your God. So they're going to be remembering some things here. It says, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people, lived there, became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And with great terror and with signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. So, so they were supposed to come in. They're supposed to declare some things. They're supposed to remember that the Lord has rescued them. The Lord has delivered them. He's brought them out. And set that down, and he says, put the basket before the Lord your God and worship before him. So it's part of our worship. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall what? 
rejoice. We're to rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So tithing is worship. Tithing should be part of our worship. In tithing, there should be rejoicing. There should be thanksgiving. There should be remembering. Amen. I mean, has the Lord brought you out of anything? Has he delivered you? Brought you out of oppression? Brought you out of despair? He translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He's brought us out of sickness into health, out of, out of lack into, into plenty. So we remember and we say, Lord, you're the reason. You are our God. You are our source. You're the one who sustains us. You're the strength of our life. And, and it's just an intentionality here. It's not just a pass it into the basket and move along here. You know, I don't, I don't understand. I know that we're not the, I mean, I know there's other churches that maybe do it like we do. We teach on it. We pass the basket. Not everybody does. I don't understand it. It's part of worship. It's, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying if, you, if someone chooses to do it a different way, that's fine. But the way we see it here in this house, it's part of our worship. It's part of the word of God. And we're going to teach it. And I don't care if we had, I don't care if our bank accounts had enough money in it that it would sustain this ministry for four lifetimes. We would stand up here and we'd teach it just as strong. Because you need to tithe. I need to tithe. We need to give offerings. It's about you and your honor to the Lord and your worship to the Lord. It's about who is the Lord to you. It's not about whether the ministry needs it or not. That's, that's a side thing. It's the word of God. So there will be no basket, no uh, little box in the back, by the way, to drop your <laughs> things in, the, in there. We, no, it's part of our worship to the Lord, and we have a good God. Amen? Amen? We have so much to rejoice over. He has done so much for us. Take a hold of your tithes. Father, we are so grateful to be here tonight. Father, we worship you. We remember, Lord, we remember what you have brought us out of. We remember how time and time again you sustained us, you provided, and you blessed us. And we thank you, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to translate us from a kingdom of death and darkness into life evermore, life more abundant. And so we return the tithe as part of our worship. We just thank you and rejoice in all the good things you've placed in our hands. And we purpose in our heart, Lord, to honor you with the things that you've entrusted us with. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And the ushers will pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. Well, tomorrow night we have Youth and Young Adult Impact here at the church, 6 p.m. We have... A lot going on this week, actually. So it's the Family Life Barn Party. My children are so excited for this. So if you haven't signed up for the Family Life Barn Party, there is a Sign Up Genius link where you can uh, sign up and say what you're going to bring. That's helpful. Uh, note to myself, I haven't done it yet either. So, <laughs> But that's always so helpful when we know who and what is covered. So that's this Friday, 6 p.m. at the Balmers. Saturday morning, we have a men's breakfast at the Schumann home, 8 p.m. If you plan to be there, please let Josh know. And as we mentioned last week, we have a praise and worship night coming up November 3rd, Friday night, 7 p.m. here at Faith Church.
Well, as you may have noticed, you wonder, where's Pastor Sid? Well, he's in Florida. He was helping Kurt with a training this week. And I believe um, tomorrow he's going to be uh, at Big Tim's. I can't think, Ratcliffe. He's going to be at Big Tim's church. And um, I think he's meeting their pastor and doing different things there. So he'll be home on Tuesday. In the meantime, 